Okay, deep breath. Pause for dramatic effect. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, at CBB underscore DFS proudly brings to you its DraftKings Saturday morning shoot around with the bird dog, Brian Mounts, the handsome Joe Harmon, and James Paul Langdon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> March must be coming. I am gassed. Yeah, take a breather. <laughs> That's an electric intro, though, right? Oh, my. That was right. fantastic, Joe. Got a little bit to digest there, but I think it should bring the energy to start this pod. Ooh, that was hot. Well, it has to be hot, because I looked at the slate, and eek. Yeah, we just can't <laughs> seem to get a good slate on these Saturdays. There's, I mean, we need more Big East and less Big 12. <laughs> well, there's only only two left. We have this one, and then we should have a nice Saturday next week. Next week, and then we're we're in conference tournament season. Yeah, it's go time. It is go time. It is go time. And this slate is exactly like uh, last Saturday's. It's a fifteen dollar entry, three Ks going to first, and just as we projected last Saturday, it's going to probably be another. You're going to need two ten, two twenty to cash. Without getting into the game specifically, um, anything jump out at you? The eleven games, the over unders, anything jump out at you guys? Uh, no, not really from my end. I, you know, it's it's kind of the typical slate we've seen on these Saturdays. Quite a few games that are below a 135 over under, and just a couple games that people people will probably focus a lot of their uh, efforts and their lineups on. Yeah, that don't go overboard bucket is a little bigger than we normally like to see it. That's for sure. But that's okay. There's still value to be had, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna find some good picks and sift through the trash and, and absolutely get some good plays. Yeah, but before we do that, we got a little housekeeping to attend to. We got an awesome review uh, on iTunes. Bird, you want to go through that? Yeah, and the title of that review was Awesome Pod. So how about that? Uh, J.O. Rayo or J.O. Rayo, so probably J.O. Rayo, uh, left this one, said Awesome Pod. He said, I don't always get to listen to these guys on Saturdays, but when I do, it's excellent. Concise, so it's not super long. Funny. Their audio always works great. You'd be surprised how bad some podcasts are with call-in guests, so I greatly appreciate this. Overall, a great listen and very informative. Wish you could do more than, more than uh, once a week. Put a bow on it. Drink. I got to take the shot at the end, right? Well, we have caught on to my put a bow on it, and we will be releasing the CBB DFS drinking game soon. <laughs> James, you've been fantastic. quiet so far. Yeah, you know, I'm still doing research. These games just have me all bottled up inside. I can't figure out what's going on. <laughs> Is that why you had to pull out the red wine tonight? <laughs> That's right. It's Bordeaux. It's a Bordeaux blend. <laughs> You got to drink it in. It always goes down smooth. Hey, he does mention, you know, we want some more pods. And, and I think, you know, especially when we get to March Madness, I know we plan to have a couple that week, something we'd like to do in the future. And we'll continue to look for opportunities to, to do these more often. I know some people like the written content, some people like the pods, and, and we're going to try to cater to, to both of those folks. We were kicking around the idea last week of maybe just when the after selection Sundays, getting on the, the ones and twos, getting on the mic and just doing a, a, a tourney pod, you know, just just, to, just talk about college basketball that maybe not isn't directly tied to DFS, but what we like for the tournaments, different type of gambling that we do this time of year. Mm-hmm. So that could be fun as well. Yeah, we did a video pod last year. And that yeah, seemed yeah, to work out pretty well. Yeah, we just talked about the, the tournaments. Maybe we can get a video pod put together. We'll have to look into that. Uh, we're too handsome for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Like usual, we solicited the uh, questions uh, to the Twitterverse, and Arm Football uh, is back again. And he wanted to know, what is the best college basketball memory each of us have? 
For him, it was watching Ohio State and Matt Sylvester destroy the undefeated Illinois season. And he did put a smiley face on there, probably because, James, he knows you're an Illinois fan. Yeah, that was kind of a heel turn, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I can accept that. I can accept it. They're, they're playing well this year, so I'll start, I guess, actually. Uh, I'm going to start with one that's not a U of I memory <laughs> for me, even a good one. But when I was uh, – I went to school, actually, at Bradley University in Peoria, and they make the tournament about – once every decade or so. So that their rival is Illinois State uh, University, and it's even more rare that both of those teams are good at the same time. But my freshman year, this was back in the mid-90s, uh, they both were good. In fact, Illinois State had a really good team that year. And I think, I believe they were one and two in the MVC. And this was before the MVC was putting kind of multiple teams in the tournament. And so being number one in that league was pretty important. Illinois State came to Bradley, Carver Arena sold out. And I just remember that being like the first like really big college basketball live experience fans going crazy on both sides you know and even schools that don't you know aren't in the power five still have great atmosphere so that, that's yeah, one that i'll always remember yeah yeah kind of shaped your college love at that moment huh yeah for sure bird what about you uh we've been lucky we, we you know we've seen a lot of games uh live we've, we've watched a million games um, on television the illinois comeback against arizona yeah. Is one that will always be a really fond memory. Probably the one for me was when we went to Vegas. So I watched uh, Kansas play Florida number one versus number two. The stadium was 95% Kansas fans. And uh, went down to a last second shot and Kansas held on and won. And it was just a, a fantastic game up and down. Uh, it was just a complete blast. The night in general was just fantastic. Uh, we took a stretch limo <laughs> all around. <laughs> I was right. just we going to tell that story. Even though, even though we had no money whatsoever. Can I tell the story real quick about oh, yeah. the stretch? So <laughs> we're in Vegas and we're drinking and you know playing slots, playing blackjack, whatever. We're we're all early, early 20s. And we, we realize that we need to get to the game because Kansas is getting ready to play Florida. So we go out to, I think we're in Caesars or something like that. So we go out to the cab line and it is packed up, you know, just long, 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 long. There's no way we're going to make this game on time. So across the way from the cab line is this chauffeur leaning against his limousine. He just kind of flags us down. He says for a hundred bucks, you know, he'll take us six guys to the arena. We're like, all right. So we just throw in $20. We take a stretch over to the arena. Well, he takes us in the back gate, not even to the main entrance. And while we're getting out of the stretch, Western Kentucky is getting ready to load their team bus. And they all stop because obviously a tinted out stretch limousine is coming in <laughs> to this, you know, VIP entrance. So all these basketball players for Western Kentucky stop. And it's a bunch of drunk guys in flip flops and board shorts coming out <laughs> to go watch Kansas and Florida. It was a, it was a good time. <laughs> Yeah, they were expecting some ballers, and they got they got us instead. They got they they were not impressed, but they were Western Kentucky, so we weren't really either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so mine uh, mine, and then we'll move into the games because I know that's what people are really listening for. But mine, real quick, is uh, when Kansas and Memphis were playing in uh, for the national championship in 2008. I was uh, moving to St. Louis at the time, and uh, I had a a single guy at a big living room with hardwood floors and my furniture had not made the trip down yet. I just moved, but I took my TV in the back of my car so I could watch the game. Anyways, I'm sitting on the floor of my new living room, which was spacious and echoey and hardwood floor. I remember slapping the floor, trying to get Mario Chalmers to D up Derek Rose. And of course that <laughs> game went into overtime. And, uh, you know, I was on the text train with bird all night and it was, that was just one of those things where, 
a very special moment, very special game to watch and just enjoyed every minute of it. Hmm. I don't remember that. <laughs> hey, James, uh, just, uh, just because I, I'm pro-arm football, I, I want to let you know that I did a little research on Matt Sylvester. Matt Sylvester's wow. equivalent to a Kyle Aarons for Michigan State or a Mitch Lightfoot from Kansas. If he were on a DraftKings slate today, he would be about a $4,500 reserve forward. Hmm. He had 25 points and five rebounds that day. Um, actually, I did the math. He had 37.5 DK points that day. <laughs> so wow. uh, he never scored 20 points in another college basketball game. That Only that one game to close the season. It was the last game of the regular season for Illinois, uh, Matt Sylvester Day. So I'm sure... If Matt finds this and is listening to it, hats off to you. I'm sure he's telling the story over and over again to kids and one oh, day yeah. grandkids. Get the shovel out, Joe. Just bury James here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Hey, I'm not burying James. I'm elevating Matt Sylvester. Next thing you'll probably bring up the Dayton Davidson score. <laughs> oh, didn't, didn't you predict a, a Davidson uh, flat out win? Yeah, yeah, I did do that today. Hey, you know what? It takes cojones to do that. Yeah. All right, I guys. I wasn't really wrong. On, wasn't really wrong on my plays though. We'll say that, except that's, for one. That's but, that's, that's yeah. the number one goal for us, though. Yeah, we're not handicappers, right? Right. We're actually kind of bad handicappers. We like <laughs> to do it, but we're not good at it. Yeah, thank God for DFS. Right. And plays is what we do, so without further ado, hey, this is for all the bucketheads. Let's put a bow on that, no, and uh, let's get into our uh, drink. Let's get into our plays. Yeah, let's get started. So the first game we have listed is Baylor at TCU, and this is in our in our don't go overboard section. These games that uh, have those low over unders that we're not we don't want to get too much exposure to. Uh, Baylor at TCU. Baylor is a nine point road favorite, over under of one twenty three. And and I'll start on this one, and then uh, have you guys jump in. Uh, but obviously horrible over under. Uh, both teams play around the three hundreds and tempo. Baylor top three team in the nation defensively. Um, on the Baylor side of things, Jared Butler's price has creeped up to around seventy six hundred. Um, but that's what happens when you go 39, 41, 41, and 31 DK points in your last four games. He's on fire, obviously. I think he's a reasonable tournament play. It is on the road, so temper expectations a little bit there. Freddie Gillespie is still, still 7,300. Uh, he averages nine DK points less on the road. So he's somebody I'm going to fade. Uh, Macy Oteague still recovering from that wrist injury. So I'd rather spend 600 less and go down to Davion Mitchell. Nemhart might be out for TCU, so I like Mitchell's defensive upside. He's a defensive stopper, could get some steals, and he's really playing a ton of minutes. Actually, one more for Baylor for me. Uh, Matthew Mayer, a guard forward at 4,000. Um, he's gone 6x, had a bad game, and then came back with 4x, 6x in his last four. Uh, he's a 6'9". He's shooting 41% from three, 24% usage. He doesn't play a ton of minutes. He only plays 15 to 20 minutes a game, but he comes in and just absolutely chucks it. And that Baylor team really needs some offense. So he's a guy, if you're looking for a bargain bin play, uh, somebody you could look at is Mayer. Hey, Bird, what's going on with Vital? Uh, nothing. Awesome. He's uh, on the list for Defensive Player of the Year. Great real-life player. He, he just doesn't do a lot. Like We don't get points for charges. Um, he doesn't play enough <laughs> minutes to really accumulate a lot of DK stats. Awesome, yeah. awesome player. I just don't want to pay 5900 for a guy who really doesn't have much offensive usage and is really – he just crashes the boards and, and is kind of just a – He's a great real-life player, but probably not a whole lot of upside from a DK perspective. You know, it's it's amazing to me how, b- while both teams are good, Baylor's such a different team from last year with some of the same pieces. You know, yeah. you look at Tristan Clark and Vitale. These were DFS studs at times last year that are just kind of not in on your radar this year, and now they're the number three team in the nation. It's crazy. Yeah, Tristan Clark was Big 12 preseason player of the year. 
He doesn't right. even play, which Nuts. is too bad. He was a great player. He was fun to watch. From a TCU perspective, Desmond Baines, 8,200. Um, he had 27 DK points at Baylor. He averages 37 DK at home. So he's going to be somebody who's probably a, a good low-owned option um, that you could look at potentially. Kevin Samuel for TCU is the forward. He had six blocks against Baylor. Uh, Baylor gets blocked more than basically any team in the country, and he's a double-double threat down low. So he's another low-owned option that you could look at in a tournament. And I've also got my value play here, and there's a little asterisk to this. Uh, RJ Nemhart is questionable to play. He missed on Tuesday, didn't practice today on Friday, is a true game-time decision for the game tomorrow on Saturday. If he is out, and Farabello is also out, Edric Dennis Jr. is a guard at 4,200. And uh, Dennis is really the only point guard left on the roster. He played 35 minutes on Tuesday. He had 22 DK points. At 4,200, if you're going to get a guy who's going to play 35 minutes at right. home. He's your official value pick for the CVGB contents, correct? That's exactly right. Yeah, he's my official value pick. This is one of the later tips, so you may want to put him in that utility position along with one of your, your players that are tipping the latest at your highest price points. So you can pivot around a little bit in case uh, Nemhart does play. Um, but if Nemhart's out, 4,200 for a guy who's going to be on the court all game, uh, I think you could do a lot worse. Is, uh, does PJ Fuller have any value? Kind of that same same aspect? I'd say he's a little bit more risky. Uh, he did play 33 minutes uh, last game, 28 the, the game before that. He, he's another option. Yeah, I mean, I, I just for 200 less, I'd rather have the guy who's going to have the ball in his hands the entire game. Sure. But, but yeah, Fuller's an option too. He was actually a more highly recruited player. Uh, especially coming out of high school, so yeah, but we still got it. We can't lose sight of the 123 over under. Yeah, right. There's 11 games on this slate. Yeah, I could skip every Big 12 game, and I don't think you'd have a problem. Well, let's let's move on to the next one. Yeah, so next we have uh, Texas at Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech is a nine-point home favorite with an over under of 125. Again, we've got uh, teams that play the 200s in tempo. We have top 30 defenses. Um, Texas is elite defending the three. Texas Tech is elite at creating turnovers. For, for Texas, Courtney Ramey's been on fire. He's priced up 1600 since February 10th. He has 30 DK points and four straight. But at this price point, he's getting a little bit harder to play, especially against a really elite defense like Texas Tech. So he's kind of just a bet-on-form tournament option, in my opinion. Uh, Andrew Jones is at 6000 He plays every minute he can handle. Uh, he's got 5x upside as well, probably a little bit more volatile than Ramey is. I wouldn't really play any of the post players for Texas at this point. None of them have distinguished themselves with Jericho out. Uh, anything else on the uh, Texas side, guys? I do have a question on that post game for Texas. I know that uh, no one's really established themselves, but you have what is the three there, and is is Hepa? How's his status? Questionable. So we don't know much more about that. I mean, are you leaning one way or another? Or are you just avoiding it altogether? I'm avoiding it altogether. Kai Jones hasn't done anything consistently. Uh, Ham hasn't done a whole lot. Will Baker hasn't done anything. It's just it's just a mess. And why why would we risk it against a Texas Tech team at home who's going to be elite defensively? I could just it, it's not a spot for me to to go try to sift out some value and force it in. Right. You got a GPP play though for Tech though, don't you? I do. Uh, my uh, my tournament option or my GPP play is Kevin McCuller. Uh, he's at 5300. He's a guard. Uh, his last five games, he's gone 22 DK, 30 DK, 25, 23, and 31. He's averaging close to 30 minutes a game over that span. Uh, he's got 20% usage and the number one steal rate in the Big 12. Wow. And Texas, yeah, and Texas turns the ball over uh, more than 281 other teams in D1. So great opportunity for him to stay hot at home, has that steal upside. And at 5,300, it's really a price point where it's going to save you some money in your roster and be able to to pay up for the, the Howards or the Powells or those type of players. 
you can play Jamie Ramsey um, still. You know, he, his price dropped a little bit. He's been 4x to 6x uh, over the last couple of weeks. Had a complete egg last game. So with recency bias, people are probably not going to play him. So it might be a good opportunity to jump back on board to Ramsey. But otherwise, again, like you said, Joe, let's not go overboard here uh, in a very, very ugly game environment. Right. Put a bow on it. Let's put a bow on it. Drink. And let's go to that. Let's go to that Florida Tennessee game, Joe. You got it. Florida is at Tennessee. Florida is a one point road favorite with an over under of 129. And Joe, SEC is all yours, buddy. Yeah, it is. And I will say this of the don't go overboard section here, we have five total games. And most of these lines are uh, one team by nine, one team by 13. This game is actually got the horrible over-under, and the line is only one point. So this is both teams in the 60s. And the other ones, there's at least one team that flirt, will flirt with 70. So keep that in mind. You're not getting a lot of uh, value on either side. This one's going to be a low-scoring affair. When we uh, break down the game, uh, on the Florida side of things, uh, Keontae Johnson, he broke the slate on Wednesday. Hopefully you played him like I did. Humble brag. This matchup, I don't know if I'm going to bank on him to do that again. Kerry Blackster Jr. continues his uninspiring play. I can't remember the last time he had 20 points in a game or double-digit rebounds, so you can't play him at his price. And really with the Florida guards, the game is just too slow to, to really give any of them a, a look. I love Nemhart in games that are fast-paced, but with this one being slower, I actually have him as my bus play. At 7,200, I don't think he's going to get to 28. The last couple times he's hit 28, it's been against the likes of LSU, Arkansas, and Georgia. And those are fast-paced SEC teams. This game's going to be a grinder, so I don't like it. Nemhart, he's officially my bus play for our competition. Before I move off Florida, I will say that uh, Noah Locke's always in play just because he's a shooter and he's been quiet lately. Outside of that, stay away. On the Tennessee side of the ball, uh, Jordan Bowden's in really good shooting for lately. He's had 16 real points in six of the, out of his last seven. Um, I'd say uh, Ivis Pons is a good cash option. He's always seems to bring it. He actually leads the SEC in uh, block rate, um, which is odd for a 6'7", more of a, a, a smaller power forward player. Really? I, the last one I got here for Tennessee, and this is straight up a hunch. So if you want to play on a stranger's hunch Viscovi had 4.8 dk last game in 37 minutes and if you have 25 percent usage that's almost impossible to do if he gets 37 minutes again at the 25 percent usage his price is down to 6200 he's good for normally 30 dk at home i don't mind santiago Viscovi. so like i said people are going to see that 4.8 last time out and not know what to do it, it could be it's a hunch i think i think it'll be fine well i think if that's all you have on that one Let's uh, move over to uh, James. You know, we haven't had a chance for you to hit on one yet. Let's talk about Florida State at Clemson. Florida State is a three-point road favorite with an over-under of 131. And James, any thoughts on uh, Florida State-Clemson? Both of these teams are top 30 defensively. Probably why for the low over-under here. But Clemson does get a little sloppy with the ball. Florida State is excellent at generating turnovers. Um, They have lots of guys that can get blocks and steals. So there could be some defensive stat upside there if you kind of look across the board. Again, Florida State's interior defense, really, really good. So I probably would fade Sims in GPP. I think he's still maybe got a little bit of cash value, risky there, but definitely wouldn't go with him in GPP. Tevin Mack, you get a little bit of, of flexibility in roster construction with him. He's You can play him at guard or forward. He's 6,600. Uh, the last three home games, he's had 45, 32, and 24 DK points. Somebody to look at there in kind of that mid-tier price range. And then Dawes uh, is a guard for Clemson, 5,300. 
Uh, he's had six X in three of his last four games that have actually all been on the road. They'll be back home in this one. But uh, so he's somebody you can look at uh, on the Florida State side. There's really only a couple options and it's the higher priced options in Devin Vassell. He had 35 DK last time against Clemson. He averages 30 DK on the road. So it's not a bad option there. Trent Forrest, uh, also 7,800. You could look at him in GPP. He's not got the consistency that Vassal does, but then he'll break out and have a you know game like he had at Cameron against Duke and had 51 DK. So he's got that high ceiling capable of that. Uh, but those are really the only guys that I that I saw that were even interesting in that game. James, I got a question for you. And, sure. And it's kind of a two-parter, semi-trick, facetious question. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Um, is Florida State the best team in the ACC, or is this something we just say every late February? Yeah, I think they kind of surprised folks last year. I think they ended up being a lot better than, than people really knew about for most of the year. I think because the ACC was so top-heavy uh, last year and so much good talent. And this year, that's not as much the case, and so they really have been sort of at the top of the ACC all year. You know, They do have some talented players. They are Maybe not as good defensively as they were last year, but they're very good defensively. And so I don't, I don't think they're going to fly under the radar this year. I think they have a good chance to make a deep run in the ACC tournament and sure um, get a high know. seat. Yeah, I mean Leonard Hamilton's a good coach. The guy's been around forever and knows what he's doing, and uh, he's been putting together what some really good teams working in Tallahassee. Absolutely. And he looks fantastic too for however right. old he is. He looks <laughs> younger. True. Than he's like seventy something. My lord. James, I like that you called out Dawes. He's had a really great uh, three of his last four games. Um, he's playing really well and playing a bunch of minutes, too. Um, so I thought that was a good one. Uh, why don't we move over to that last Big 12 game and get that out of the way before we move into some real games. Uh, and this is Kansas at Kansas State. Uh, Kansas, a big 13-point road favorite, over-under of 129. I'm sure the majority of the story here is going to be about the last time Kansas and Kansas State played and uh, the drama that kind of came along with that. I think a thing we can keep in the back of our mind, uh, I could see the referees having a really tight whistle in this one, especially early on. You could see some potential foul trouble. They don't want this game to get out of control. Um, it's a huge rivalry, obviously. So that's something just to keep in mind. There, there may be some a bit higher foul risk than there may normally be in a game. Gotcha. Um, otherwise, as Abuki's playing like a first-team All-American right now, uh, Kansas mm-hmm. State doesn't have anybody who can match up with him. I assume they're going to double, triple-team him like Oklahoma State did try to make KU miss from three. But as Ibuki is always in play, every format, uh, Dotson is also a high floor play as always. Marcus Garrett, complete stud in real life. He's going to probably win defensive player of the year in the nation. Uh, but he hasn't hit 30 DK in three straight. He's overpriced at 7,600. And then Agbaji, Moss, and Brown are going to play a bunch of minutes, but really they're just kind of a scoring dependent option here um, on the road. Uh, Joe, James, anybody I'm missing from the Jayhawks side of things? Uh, Bert, I got a question for you, though, I, and I, I was kicking this around internally in my old noggin today, and I wanted to run this by you because I was listening to our last pod, you know, just writing notes and getting some tips. But do you think when a team's third option is over 7000 bucks, that's an auto fade? Um, in a game that's over under 129, I, I think that's, <laughs> that's a strong. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think you've got a strong hypothesis there. Well, I'm just saying, in general, I mean, that could be yep. just uh, one of those signs you look for. It's like, oh, third option, 7,000, move on. Yeah, and he gets it done a lot with those ancillary stats. He doesn't necessarily he does. have to score. Um, but for him to smash, and, and really at 7,600, you kind of need to smash. Um, you do need to score. And, and so that's why I just don't like him. And, and I agree, Joe. I think that's a really good point to bring up. Uh, if you're kind of that middle-tier option in a in a crappy over-under game, it might be better to look elsewhere. For sure, especially if you're that, that expensive. 
What about on the Kansas State side of things? Is there anything that interests you? Uh, no, not really. Uh, Cartier Jara and Xavier Sneed both average 30 DK points at home. Uh, the problem is you're going against the number one defensive efficiency uh, in the nation. And so I, I think they could get you 4X, but I don't see them doing a whole lot above that. Maykol Maywean has size that's going to be really needed against uh, Azabuki down low. He did have 20 DK points uh, in Lawrence. He's only 4,600. So he does, he feels like a decent value play at home. Uh, the rest of the Wildcat bench is just a complete mess to me. I'm not going to go try to guess between right. Sloan and Gordon and Gordon and Murphy and McGurl and whoever <laughs> the hell else is on that team. Like, it's just a complete mess. I don't love this game in general. I'm hoping Kansas wins and just goes start to finish and plays really well. And they just get out of Kansas State without any drama. And we move on to the next game. Fair enough. So what do you want to do? Is there any present themed transition you want to do like christmas presents hmm. when you're wrapping them well we could put a bow on the don't go overboard section yeah drink oh. drink drink man that's what we, we did wanted. It. let's let's get to the tread water section yeah and this is much better um so the first one is providence at villanova uh, villanova a nice nine point favorite at home with an over under of 135 uh gillespie is questionable to play joe uh what are your thoughts that's interesting, and we're going to monitor that like a hawk because someone said that Gillespie has morphed into Jalen Brunson this year. And uh, <laughs> while uh, that's high praise because Brunson was such an excellent college player, it's not that far off, to be honest with you. As for the game itself, if uh, Gillespie doesn't play, definitely smash Providence. But even if he does play, I think Providence is going to keep this one close. Uh, note that we did say about 20 minutes ago that we're bad handicappers. <laughs> um, but I, I do like uh, I do like Providence uh, keeping this one close. They they need it more. Villanova's still going to win this game. Since 2014, Cooley's two and 15 against Jay Wright. Right. Ooh. So <laughs> going into Villanova and, and erasing a nine point deficit is uh, or a nine point spread is not necessarily likely. Um, but I do think Providence is going to play hard. I do think they need it more. Uh, Luane Pipkins is actually my cash play, uh, someone I think is going to be safe for 4X. He's been just excellent since rejoining the starting lineup three games ago. Um, he's had 4X in those three games, and he had 7.3X last time out. So he's be playing like the point guard they thought they were getting from UMass now. It took some back and forth and some benching, but Luane Pipkins a full go for me tomorrow. Alpha Diallo the known quantity for uh, Providence. He's fine. Um, we talked about him last week when he was in the sevens. He didn't get it done for us. Now he's priced back up to the 8.3 range, and that's really where he should be. So I'm okay if you want to play Diallo. Uh, there's nothing scary about this matchup. Uh, Villanova isn't necessarily a lockdown defense. Just something to keep in mind there. I'm not a David Duke guy, and, and Bird, you're not a David Duke guy Saturday either. I'm not. He's my official bust play. Uh, he needs 28 points to hit value, and that's a number he's only hit once in his last seven games. Uh, he's got sub-20% usage, marginal ancillary stats, and with the emergence of Pipkins, Joe, like you talked about, and the fact that this is a road game, uh, I'm betting against him here. That's that's a good move. Now, I will say this, and I'm not making this as a re official recommendation, but we do like to throw out some cheap options when there's a chance. Um, Nate Watson played 33 minutes against Villanova the first time. He had 18-9. and nine. He's only 4,600. He's a junior, and he's played Villanova hard in the past. So he's not getting the minutes consistently, but it might be one of those things where Cooley likes his matchup against Villanova, and it's something to just consider. 
use Nate Watson as my getaway from Providence, and let's flip over to Nova. Again, we'll watch uh, Gillespie's status. He's playing at such a high level, it's kind of hard to ignore what he's doing. Um, Sadiq Bey has been awesome, but he's now at a season-high price point. I, I'm kind of probably staying away from Sadiq just because there is enough size and athleticism to match him inside and out. Um, Jalen Samuels is going to Jalen Samuels, as we like to say. I kind of like uh, Robinson Earl, the freshman down low, as a contrarian option uh, in this one. He feels due. He's kind of been off the last couple of weeks, but I think uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl could be a, a sneaky play as well. Yep, those all make sense. And then uh, Justin Moore would assume the starting point guard position if Gillespie's out. And even if he doesn't, Moore's playing 30 minutes a game right now, and he's had yep. back-to-back 30 burgers at 5,500. Pretty good value. Yeah, he's a little scoring reliant, but yeah, he's an excellent player. And again, if Gillespie misses, he gets a huge usage bump, which is something that you're given a really talented freshman. And you could also expect some more minutes from Cole Swider, um, who's a shooter and has uh, flashed in the past and broken some slates. Well done. I like it. Hey, let's get James on the mic. Pittsburgh at NC State is the next one here. NC State is a nine-point home favorite, over-under of 135. And uh, James, drop us some heat. Let's talk about Pittsburgh. I don't mean to talk bad about Pittsburgh because I know they got a awesome fan base and come on, young team get your to put nose out of the rear. <laughs> this is a team that I think is giving up on their coach this year. Oh, um, oh. if you look at yeah, heel turn. <laughs> so if you look at uh you know their last uh, five games, six games, um, they've dropped five in a row. Uh, four of those five have been uh, double digits. They've been beaten by so. They're not playing really great right now. Uh, they're at the bottom of the league in offense and defense of efficiency. Things aren't looking too good. So it doesn't feel like they're going to really turn it around this year. Of course, not too many games left. But NC State shouldn't have too much of a problem. I really like DJ Funderburk. He's my GPP play at 7,100 for NC State. I think he's just he's had two five, uh, 5X games in the last three. And I think this would be a really good matchup for him. Devin Daniels is another guy you can look at at 7,500. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit throughout the year, but he's sort of, you know, C.J. Bryce was kind of the guy at the start of the year. He got hurt. He was. And then when he went out, Devin Daniels kind of took over the very similar players. And Daniels is, even with Bryce coming back, Daniels has kind of held on to that role as being sort of one of the primary uh, scoring options there. Uh, he's playing pretty good. I think you can look at him at cash and, and feel pretty confident. Uh, Markel Johnson, let's talk about him for a second. 7,700. He's a guy coming into the season that I thought was just going to be one of the best players in ACC. Senior, he's done it before. He's a guy that's you know had some huge DFS performances. Uh, the last two of the last three games, he's had 51 DK. He's a guy I think you have to look at GPP at this point. Are the other two in his last four like sub 20? Yeah, for sure. So GPP for sure, and definitely not a cash play when you get him into a good matchup at home. At home against a team that's quit a bunch of quitters. Bunch of quitters. <laughs> and I can't remember who I was mentioning that in a, in a write-up this week, but, you know, there's some times where a guy's ceiling is just so high, <laughs> especially if it's, it's some, you know, it's, it's come recently, that even if the matchup isn't great, even if, you know, they had a couple games around that that weren't so good, uh, sometimes that super high ceiling can make, you know, the risk of playing them in a GPP a little less um, because the potential is so high. So I think he's... He's a guy that's sort of in that spot right now, and uh, you know it's a good matchup for him. Uh, on the pit side, I don't really like anybody to be honest, but uh, Justin, 
They're quitters. Justin Champagne, he's guard forward. Uh, you play him in either spot. 7,300. He's been playing really, really great lately. He's the only person that hasn't quit on the team. Uh, 46 <laughs> DK versus Syracuse. Uh, that was with 17 rebounds. So he's a guy that I think you can plug in, take a chance yeah. on. And- he smashed your right up. You you wrote him up high this week, and he smashed this week for you, too. That's yeah. always nice. So he gets a bump. He gets a CBB DFS bump. Exactly. As a sidebar to all of this, I believe last year we had a sports journalist uh, from Pittsburgh uh, send us a nice little tweet last year about how we were bashing on Pittsburgh and oh, yeah, they were yeah. young, they were learning, and I forgot about that. And so hopefully he doesn't listen and, and send us another uh, another nasty gram. Yeah, he he was not happy with us at all. You know, I tried to soften it, but uh, we we, we, we <laughs> you, you go you goaded me into it. <laughs> well, I think that was Bird this time. I don't think I did that. <laughs> yeah, that might have been my fault. <laughs> we better run away from this one and and. Uh, Jump into the next game that we have on here. Vanderbilt at Old Miss. Uh, Old Miss is an eight-point home favorite, over/under of 140 for Vanderbilt. Uh, Saban Lee, 30% usage in conference, 26% assist rate, and he actually averages more DK points on the road. Uh, Old Miss is a below-average defense in terms of a Power Five school, so he's a nice low-owned tourney option. I think he's fair just because of the the volume of usage that he gets. Scotty Pippen Jr. has been playing pretty well lately. Feels like a pretty safe 4x option. Uh, Dylan Disu has been disappointing, <laughs> and his minutes are down recently, so not looking at him. Uh, Maxwell Evans is going to play a ton, super scoring dependent. If you need a weird value play, Ajiki Obina has seen a minutes increase recently, including 35 minutes last game. He's only 3,800. He could be that weird low-priced guy that might be able to get you 4x if you're just desperado. Uh, yeah. So, Joe, critique me on my SEC uh, breakdown. Well, there, there's a reason I gave you Vanderbilt Old Miss because that game's trash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, actually, it's going to be a fun game. It's sloppy. Saban Lee made me look like an idiot this week because I talked about how at 7,700 he's going to go out and get 40 DK, and if he were on a Blue Bud program, he would be a $9,000 player because that he smashes. He routinely smashes, and then of course he went out and got like 19 or 20 for me, and it was just disappointing. But I. My question I had to you, Bird, um, and this might lead you into the old Miss stuff. He's 7,700. Brienne Tyree's 7,600. You're probably leaning Tyree. Am I right? See, I, I'm more of a Saban Lee guy, but you're, you you would go Tyree? I am. I, I like players at home, and, and Brienne Tyree is my cash play. So nice little pivot there, Joe. Um, at 7,600. So the Rebels are projected for mid-70s at home against a Vanderbilt defense. That's 217th in defensive efficiency. That's bad. Tyree, that's bad. That's real bad. For a power conference, that's horrible. Yeah, it's it's embarrassing. Tyree has a 33% shot rate, uh, has some steal, has some assist production as well. He's been over 4x in six of his last seven games, so he has that nice high floor. Um, but he also has a 50 and a 60 burger in that time frame as well, so he's shown some ceiling. And it just feels really safe to take the best player from a home team against a horrible defensive team in cash. Vanderbilt is horrible in the paint defensively. So I think K.J. Buffett and Kadeem Sai, I know, Joe, you're a big Sai guy. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're both in play. Uh, Buffett's a- actually averaged 5x in three of his last four, and the only exception to that was when he got hurt. Joe, I know you and I are big Schuler fans. He's probably just a attorney play only, given the volatility that he has. But I, I really like a lot of the- these home options for Old Miss. Um, I think they're very much in play in a game that could get overlooked because it is kind of a, a sloppy 
game that not a whole lot of people probably care about. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think Ole Miss could just be just angry. They could angry win this game. They're a team that was kind of a surprise team last year, and they did some good things, and this year just hasn't gone their way, whether it be injuries or things not clicking the right way. Now they have a chance to smash the, the, the doormat of the SEC at home. I could see some frustration getting taken out in this one. Without a doubt. Well, let's finish up there here with uh, Texas A&M at LSU. Uh, LSU 12-point home favorite over under of 142 and joe you're back sec bring us the heat (laughs) well i tell you what the heat is not with lsu right now will wade uh and lsu have lost five of the last seven and his rotations are just all over the place i don't know what he's doing you got to keep in mind when he got suspended last year this team won two tournament games in spite of him on the other side of the the coin, Texas A&M, Buzz Williams is doing so much this year with so little. I mean, the cupboard is bare there. This Texas A&M team has Missouri Valley talent, and they're over 500 in SEC play. So it's really two contrasting teams right now. Now, LSU is by far more talented. I think this is a spot where Skyler Mays gets right at home. He's been a bit of a funk lately. I like Trenton Watford a lot. He's 7,200. He's coming off back-to-back double-doubles and had 46 drafting points in the first meeting. Probably not going to flirt with Emmett Williams or Darius Days. Both of those guys are capable. Um, they're kind of similar in 6'7", 230, athlete, athletic as hell. But Williams is the one who's been out of the lineup because uh, Wade wants to get him in for energy off the bench, and then Dates has been starting, and it just, it's just—it's—it's kind of been a mess. As always, Devontae Smart's fine in cash. Charles Manning Jr. came back. He was the team's sixth man, uh, but now he's out again with a, with a knee injury, so he's going to miss another four weeks, so his season's likely over. Um, which could make Marlon Taylor viable again at 4,300 because he's the one who filled into that six-man role while Manning was out the first time. On the A&M side of things, A&M's a bunch of tryhards like we talked about. This is a Missouri Valley Mid-American Conference talent in the SEC that's playing really well um, for Buzz Williams. But these tryhards are led by Wendell Mitchell, who's my GPP play tomorrow. Um, Wendell Mitchell is 5,300. He's a bit scoring reliant, which is why I made him my GPP and not my cash play. He's got a 27% shot share, and I think he's in good form. So that's someone you can look at. Savion Flagg was someone who was a beast last year. You're not getting the same guy this year, but he has had 4X and 3 straight, so he's in play for a, a cheap price in the mid-sixes. Uh, Josh Nebo is more of a cash option. And then finally, a trendy play tomorrow that you could see is Quentin Jackson. He's a guard at 4,800. He went 6x, 6x, 7x before the Kentucky game where he had 3x. So if people can look past his most recent outing, he could be a very trendy play for 4,800 tomorrow. But we don't end there with A&M. They also have a forward who's gotten up take a minutes, and I'll let James talk about him because I think he's James's value place since he's sub 4,500. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I'm looking at Emmanuel Miller, uh, who's at 4,200. You know, he had a real bad outing uh, last game against Kentucky. Obviously, Kentucky, very good defense. He only played 21 minutes in that game, 0 for 4 from the field, and didn't, wasn't really a factor. Uh, but, but prior to that, uh, he's gone 5x in – Seven out of the last ten games. They're obviously playing an LSU team that can give up points. Mm-hmm. A little, little bit of a uh, you know faster paced there. Mm-hmm. So so he's a guy at 4,200 simply based on his recent form, box scores, uh, matchup. You could do worse, right? It's kind of hard to find guys in that range anyway. So that's a guy I would take a chance on. Yeah, and and 
it's not just, you know, a lot of times our value plays are guys that we think are just going to hit 4X. So at 4,200, you're looking at someone who's going to hit 16 DK. He's someone who could go out and get 25. Yep. And that's why I like, I really like that call out by you, James, because you're not just calling out, here's a cheap guy who's going to do his job. Here's a cheap guy who at the very least should do his job, but then has upside because of the matchup to push up into, you know, 5X, 6X territory. Yeah, you think, uh, you know, similarly paced game perhaps against Georgia, he had, uh, you know, 37 DK. So that's, that's, that's huge. huge. Yeah, that, that'll win you a tournament. Yep. Yeah, and, and Joe, you mentioned Quentin Jackson, similar paced game against Georgia. He had 27. Uh, I like both those options as some nice cheap value plays against an LSU defense that is not very good. And it's a team in turmoil, a team that's struggling with Wade fucking with the rotations. Oh my Uh-oh. God, I said the F word. Oh boy. <laughs> oh Get the my. beat button out. <laughs> Hey, well, here, here's the thing, guys. I Put researched the kids this today. To I researched this today. Well, this is a movies, but we can call it similar. To keep a PG-13 rating, you can drop the F-bomb one time. So if we want to keep our podcast PG-13, that's the one time. So going forward, all of our podcasts, we get one F-bomb. Fair? That is our first curse word in our pod's history, Yeah. and I, I can't believe it true. took us this long. I don't think that's true. I don't I, think I that's do. true. I think that's our first one. Well, it, it was deservedly so because LSU is a flipping nightmare. No, <laughs> no, Will Wade's rotations. Not only does it make it hard for us as DFS players to know who's going to get the time, but you got to think for the five on the floor. It's 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 different guys. It's different paces. It's it's that consistency, and it it opens up opportunities for people to smash. And speaking of smashing, let's go to the Big East. Seton Hall at Marquette. Marquette yes. three point home favorite over under one forty seven. Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, I'm, I'm in heaven. I love it. Yeah, and uh, so am I, Bird. And I, I got to wax nostalgic here for a second. And James, I know you're a purist and more of the college basketball lover um, as well. This is this is what it's all about, right? You have Miles Powell, senior stud guard. You got Marcus Howard, senior stud guard. These guys aren't NBA lottery picks but they are the heart and soul of their teams and of their universities. They're in a big-time matchup on Saturday. This is the last tip on the slate. you got to love it, you, right? Am I wrong? I think you're right. I mean, as a kid, you know, before fantasy sports <laughs> became a factor in our lives, these are the things you live for, right? This is exactly what you wanted to see on a, on a Saturday afternoon. You can think back at all the great college basketball games that we've watched over the years, so I, I think you're exactly right. I, I look at this game and it's like, oh, you know, I need to make sure that I'm in front of a TV when that's on. Yeah, it's it's poetry. We know Miles Powell. I really like him tomorrow at Marquette. Uh, he's 8,500. I'll try to find a way to get him into my lineup. It just, it, I love watching him play, and I think it's going to be an amazing game. Starting with Seton Hall, I'll probably be off Quentin McKnight and his $7,000 figure just because he's going to have his hands full with Howard, and I'll talk about that matchup in a little bit. More on the wing or in the post, uh, Roden and Mamu are both 6,200. Since uh, Mamu Kalashvili's come back, Roden's production's really dipped quite a bit, um, so I'd probably lean Mamu in that case. I also like uh, Romero Gill, who's 5,900. Marquette is a team that is susceptible to their shots getting blocked. Gill is an elite shot blocker. He's had four X and four straight, so I think he could uh, have a little block party in Milwaukee. I'm not going to go any further with Seton Hall. Miles Kale and Ike, Big Ike, are working their way out of the doghouse. They had a little bit of a run-in with Coach a couple weeks ago, so they're starting to get an increase in minutes, but it's not enough for me to 
plug him into a lineup here, which sucks because I'm a big Miles Kale guy. Um, but I just don't know if I can trust him getting in into the game or enough meaningful minutes in this one. On the Marquette side of things, we all know Howard at home is is money. And last week I told you to stay off Howard, and he went for 38 real points. So uh, I'm not going to tell anyone to stay off Howard ever again. But at the same time, historically, Quentin McKnight has given him troubles. It's just one of those things, especially last year, Howard had a hard time getting his uh, against Seton Hall. So I'm probably not playing Marcus Howard. Instead, I'd probably look at uh, Sakar Anum. Uh, Anum's a gamer. Um, he's he's not a super awesome player, but he's someone who's going to step up in a big game at home. So I could he- see him hitting value at 6,800. Kobe McEwen normally is the go-to guy if you're fading Howard, but he's had four and nine DK points in his last two, which is just super scary. Um, so I probably will stay away from McEwen. Um, and same goes for the forwards with uh, Bailey, Theo John, and Jamal Kane. Uh, they're kind of a pick-your-poison down low. I, I don't want any of that. Anything I'm missing on this game, Bert? I know you follow the hall with me quite closely. Anything that I, I might have overlooked? No, I think you nailed it. It's too bad that Kale is in the doghouse. Um, that's kind of that's kind of frustrating. Do you think we get a little bit more Jace Johnson uh, to match up against uh, Romaro Gill down low? He had 26 DK points last game. Really, you know, kind of really showed well at Utah. It's been off and on this year, uh, but he has the length to really match up down low against the the bigs of Seton Hall. Anything, anything at 4,400 with Jace? I, I like Jace, and I, I think you get, I think he's probably going to get you, you know, 15, 16 DK points. The problem is, is Gill is an opportunistic scorer. He's not a part of the offense, right? So he's putbacks, he's redirects, he's offensive rebounds. He's not someone you need to bring in a Jace Johnson to lock him down defensively because he's not doing anything on offense unless it's coming by way of uh, by way of opportunity. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think this is just going to be an awesome game, uh, and it does have a good over under. If you know, if you're kind of in a weird price point, and you, you know, you're kind of between two players, you know, maybe you lean this game versus some of those other ones that have a lower over under. Yeah, and, and at the very least, even if you don't have a lot of exposure, find a chair and, and watch it. Yep, no doubt about that. And our Big Ten homers will also find a chair and want to watch that Penn State at Iowa game. Iowa three-point favorite uh, over-under of 153 is the highest on the slate. Uh, two teams that play at a really fast tempo. And James, well, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, we, so we talked about this game a few weeks ago on the pod, if you remember. I remember it because this game was actually played at the Palestra. And we <laughs> yeah. we got some bad our, – our reporter in Pennsylvania gave us some bad news. He's fired. He's been fired uh, since, you know, giving us the, the false report there that they actually were playing in University Park. But they're playing at Iowa this time. Iowa is tremendous at home. They have been all season. Uh, Luca Garza has been terrific. I don't have to say a whole lot about him. He's averaging 43 DK at home. Uh, he's at 9,400. You got him as your cash play, right, James? He's my cash play. Yeah, he had 34 uh, real points, 12 rebounds, two blocks last time. I think he's he's a pretty safe cash play, even at the the super high price, uh, as he's been all year. Uh, another player that's interesting to me, and I, I've been talking about him in our write-ups uh, the last couple of weeks, and that's uh, Wieskamp for Iowa. He's at 7,400. Uh, he had 24 and 10 last time against Penn State. He's been in a monster shooting slump. He's only been two for 14. Uh, over the last few games, and he had 50 DK at Nebraska not too long ago, and his price has come down quite a bit. It's dropped $500, and so he's a guy that I'm just waiting 
to bust out, right? I mean, you you know the guy's got it. Not quite sure what's going on. Every player kind of goes through little funks every now and then. But he's a he's a shooter, and he'll shoot his way out of it. I'm pretty confident of that. And and tomorrow might be that game uh, that he does it. Yeah, I'm willing um, on that. A little bit of injury news. Uh, C.J. Frederick, he's been out a few games. Um, Ryan Creener, uh, forward 5,200. He's been getting a lot more minutes since then and uh, been playing pretty well. He had uh, 6X into his last three with Frederick out. So he's definitely a guy you want to look at if Frederick's out. I think if Frederick plays, he's 5,100. I think you can you could probably play him in a, in a GPP. Uh, also keep a lookout for Marion Jones, uh, 7,000. He hasn't played in quite a while. Miles Dredd's kind of taken his production. Uh, he's at 5,400, so Jones can't go. Take a look at Dredd. I've also got another play in this game. Uh, my bus play is actually Lamar Stevens, uh, who's awesome. I normally tout this guy, and you know he's been terrific. But uh, he's at 8,100. He only got to 3x last time. He's only averaging 29dk on the road. So Penn State needs to win this game. It's an important game. He's their best player. Entirely possible that he comes out and has a huge one. Uh, but I'm he's a fade for me, and I, I just I just don't see him getting it done. And I got a. Uh my value plays from this game too. Um, I, I've been kind of watching uh, John Harar lately, um, the rotational big for them. He's a 40, he's 4,300 for Penn State, super active. And James, I want to ask you, it, to me, it looks like the last, he wasn't a, he wasn't a thing when they played the first time. He wasn't a starter. He played like 13 minutes, I think, in the first meeting. But I think uh, since then, he's really had a surge in minutes. Over his last seven, he's averaging 4x. I just think at 4,300, he's someone who's going to be needed as a rotational body against Garza. It's a different look that Penn State can throw at Iowa that they didn't see the first time. And I went with Harar as my uh, my value play. Any thoughts on that? I think it's a great play. Mike Watkins uh, has been a kind of a disappointment this year. I mean, maybe not even kind of a disappointment. He had some huge games early on, and just he looked like he had finally put it together. And he's got a lot of talent, a lot of size, and... Just for some reason, once we got into conference play, he just hasn't been much of a factor. And I think, you know, since that point, uh, Harar, as you mentioned, has been getting a step up in minutes. You know, he's starting to get more comfortable. He's a great rebounder. Scoring, it's not not much of a scorer at this point. Um, so you'd like to see him get, you know, three or four buckets to, to feel sure. real good about him. But Yeah, it, um, it definitely gets value if he gets there, if he gets the hoops. Absolutely. He's only got 8% usage, so I'm not sure he's going to get any hoops, but... He he has been playing a little bit more, which is which is good to see. I'd probably rather go look at those A and M guys than than this guy than than horrible. But <laughs> he's not horrible. <laughs> you know what's terrible? Since we're we're all gonna just fight in this podcast, the, what what turned me on to Harar was watching him work uh, Georgie from Illinois a couple weeks oh, ago. Come on, what oh. is going on here? <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna be honest, off Illinois. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, Poor Georgie. Georgie's okay. had enough year. If uh, if you're dying for a value play on Penn State and you're you're not on the Harar train, uh, Isaiah Brockington, 4100. He had 23 real points uh, against Iowa last time. Uh, 24 DK in his last game versus Rutgers. Not a sure thing by by any stretch, but he's a guy that can jump up and go get 5x, 6x sometimes. So uh, take a look at him. Yep, and if Jones is out, Miles Dredd has been playing really well. Um, he should see mid 30s minutes as well. Another good option. Um, especially if you're going to fade Stevens, who, you know, obviously Stevens is a great play. We're making a bold call there. All right. Hey, let's put a bow on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's uh, recap our CVGB picks for our official uh, competition here. 
Um, our cash plays are Wendell Mitchell, Brian Tyree, and Luke Garza. Our value plays are John Harar, Edric Dennis Jr., and Emmanuel Miller. Our GPP plays, Loane Pipkins, Kevin McCuller, and DJ Funderburk. Our bus plays, Andrew Nebhard, David Duke, and Lamar Stevens, who we just discussed. Now, as a whole, Bird, you're up by one. Now, we have essentially one or two more of these competitions left. Bird has 35 correct. James has 34 correct. I'm at 31. James had a cool three for four last week. On the year, we're 100 out of 180, so we're at 56%. We've given out 100 good pieces of advice on this pod so far, so that's not bad, right? Uh, right? 100 formal plays and about a million other great ones. Yep. Yeah, I mean, just, just those are the ones that are in our competition, but we've mentioned all kinds of people tonight that we like. We only highlight a few. Yep, for sure. Uh, follow right. us on Twitter at CBB underscore DFS. Joe, website. What's our website? CBB-DFS.com. <laughs> <laughs> I went short and sweet with that one. Podcast, anywhere podcasts are found. Cell phone, James's area code. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, Bucketheads. Go get them on Saturday. Um, love seeing uh, a lot of new people putting the CBB DFS logos on, uh, on their DK. That's awesome. I know we always kind of take a screenshot and send it to ourselves whenever we see someone new. We got to start writing down those names and calling them out. But uh, keep doing that. It makes us smile. Uh, what else we got? Anything else to close out? Uh, one of our buddies, Blaker, got a fourth yesterday in the uh, in the big tournament, uh, yeah. so it's nice to see the logo up in that fourth spot. Uh, we expect to see a lot of bucket heads in the top ten uh, tomorrow. Heading All into right. the home stretch, conference tournaments coming up, selection Sunday coucoming up. Take it easy, bucket heads. Win all the money. Boom, 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 boom,